Kings, queens, everything in betweens. Welcome back to another episode of the Peasant Party Podcast. I am your host, Charlotte Warren. Uh, we're here live in Austin, Texas, and I have a fantastic guest that I'm so excited to introduce. Um, to my right is Lori Burzak, um, Carolina's matchmaker, uh, host of the Love on the Go podcast, among so many other things, bringing love to people all over the Carolinas and surrounding areas. Um, but Lori, just Take it away. Yeah. Introduce yourself, please. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So just arrived in Austin today. I've been a matchmaker for 18 years and I work with men for traditional matchmaking and help women with online dating. Nice. Yes. So we manage all of their accounts and we can get into that in a deeper way. But I absolutely love what I do. It is it's just a dream come true kind of a career for me. Every day I wake up excited and um, just love it all. I love that. And yeah. you, that's, I mean, that's a lot of years of experience. Mm-hmm. How, how does one become a matchmaker? Like, how did you get in, into that career path in, in general? I just, I really think it was my calling. It mm-hmm. is my calling. Um, essentially, I was kind of going through a time period in my mid 30s where I was thinking, I know that I'm supposed to be doing something that is extremely meaningful and helpful to people. I have my master's in social work mm-hmm. with an emphasis in community organization. So I have like literally the perfect degree <laughs> to, to, to work with communities and to assist people with obviously one of the most important things in their lives, which is finding love and keeping it and selecting the right partner. Mm-hmm. So I just started matching up friends and mm-hmm. family. And I had some great success, and I just decided, let's just make this into a career. And I just kind of buckled down, called everyone I knew to see who they knew that was single, Mm -hmm. and started meeting with people. That's awesome. And yeah, I feel like that's the right background. Like coming from, there's probably a really good background to have just knowing kind of deep social interactions you probably have and just you're witnessing people making some of the biggest decisions of their lives that are so personal, feelings they can't always articulate. Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of have to have, I think there was a TikTok recently of um, a woman um, with her experience with a matchmaker saying, Mm -hmm. um, I I wasn't woo enough. And you kind of have to have that woo woo in you where you just have that intuition, it seems like, um, when you are a matchmaker. You do. And then you also need to, be able to talk to people that might be coming from a woo place and Mm -hmm. some that might not be coming from that place. And Mm -hmm. so I think one of my talents is understanding humans and behaviors and where people are coming from and to listen more sometimes than to speak Mm -hmm. and to like really just kind of get into their soul and what is really happening for them deep, deep inside. Where's the pain and how can I help? With Carolina's matchmaker specifically, um, yeah, you mentioned um, dating, coaching for women, yeah. uh, traditional matchmaking for men. What mm-hmm. is kind of your process, or if you want to explain the two different uh, offerings, like how does that all work? Yeah, so I like to work with men in the Carolinas. Sometimes a man will hire me from other places, but normally I'll just refer him to a matchmaker in his local area rather mm-hmm. than try to do a national search for him. I just like to work local all over the Carolinas. Um, so essentially men hire me and I have a very large database of women who have kind of like thrown their hat in the ring, if you will, to say I'm interested in meeting a quality man. And sometimes I will choose from those folks to introduce them to the men. I, I meet with everyone before I make a match. I run background checks. I make sure that the men are people that um, represent me as well as me representing them. So it's really a partnership when somebody hires me. I need to make sure they're good people. If they're not, I let them go. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there was that, that TikTok of a woman yeah. who said she was rejected by a, a matchmaker. Um, what is kind of the vetting process? Is it pretty stringent or yeah. um, 
do you have like a specific clientele that, that you work with? Well, the main the the main thing in terms of the men that hire me for matchmaking is I want to make sure that they're realistic. If a man comes to me and says, I want to date a woman that's 20 years younger and she needs to be a size zero or two and you know this, that, and the other, I usually say goodbye mm-hmm. because it's very unrealistic. In the Carolinas, women don't really want to date up more than 10 years max. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different community than LA or Miami or New York. Mm-hmm. So I like to make matches that are closer in age. I understand that sometimes people are attracted to people that are younger or older, whatever it is. So I just try to keep that in mind. So I just want to make sure that somebody is realistic and that we can do a great job for them. And so those are the men that that will hire me. And if I don't think I can do a good job for them, I'll refer them to someone else or I'll simply say, let's kind of just put put a, a pin in it and we can circle back in six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a man who has a lot of social anxiety, what I'm going to recommend to him is a coach or a therapist as well as online dating mm-hmm. because they can sort of hopefully... Um, meet more people and get a little bit more used to dating where they can kind of set their anxieties to the side and say, okay, this isn't that bad. Because a lot of times men are are afraid to mm-hmm. ask women out um, in today's day and age. People aren't used to doing that. Mm-hmm. Gen Xers, that's what we did. But mm-hmm. the millennials and the Gen Z, they're not used to it mm-hmm. as much. Um, they're afraid of rejection. So I think it is sometimes important to work with a coach um, with online dating. So obviously offer that to men and women, but it's so great for the men when they hire me for matchmaking because we concierge the entire date Mm -hmm. and all they have to do is show up. Now I do show photos ahead and I talk to them about the women that I'm going to be introducing them to, to make sure that it's a good Mm -hmm. match ahead. And then um, they, we make the reservation for them. And then I talk to them after the date to find out how it went. And if there's any coaching that I might need to do, I'll do that. And if not, um, we'll, I'll talk to them after the second date, after the third date. I've noticed that if if people go on five dates Mm -hmm. with the same person, it normally turns into a relationship of six months or more. Nice. Yeah, that's that's good to know because I, I feel like it's always like, what is that magic number of dates? How that's do it. when do you when do you know? Um, because I feel like a lot of people end up on this path maybe where they feel like they're aimlessly dating. Oh, another yeah. date this this week. Where is yeah. this going? Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's always people are always curious about that magic yeah. number. It is five. Mm-hmm. Once in a blue moon, I've. I've talked to some older, like some seniors, and they'll Mm -hmm. date more than that before they make a decision. Mm -hmm. But with younger folks, that is what I've observed anecdotally. So I'd be curious if your audience would agree with me on that. The third date, I feel like, is where a lot of stuff happens, Mm -hmm. where people feel like they decide one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, third date happens. It's where where do we go from here? Yep. When a gentleman signs on as a, as a client of yours, what are kind of the next steps? Um, do you like fill out a profile for him? Do you come up with something to kind of pitch him to the women that are like in your database or what does that look like? So the first thing that people do, whether it's a woman that's interested in online dating or a man that's interested in matchmaking is they go to my website, carolinasmatchmaker.com. Mm-hmm. And they fill out a profile. It's free to do that. And then I decide who to get on a call with, or I have other people to get on calls with people. And we do a strategy session to decide if this is kind of the right route for them to go and just explain all the the ways the program works and pricing and whatnot. And then if they decide to move forward and if we decide to offer them a membership, then there's payment involved, a DocuSign, and then... Um, the the men that hire us for matchmaking meet the entire team and we all sort of create a fun queue of ideas for them and then we for the man and then we um, discuss mm-hmm. and then we start making appointments to meet the women to make sure that, that they are what the men are looking for and vice versa 
and then we concierge the first date. For the online dating program, um, all the people that sign up are assigned a coach, mm-hmm. and ev- and we do professional photography, styling, makeup. We get great images, no- like just really down to earth, easygoing pictures inside and outside of the studio in Charlotte. We mm-hmm. people fly in for this, mm-hmm. and so really. People can hire me from all over for the online dating program. And what happens is when we get them online with these great pictures and profiles, Mm -hmm. they essentially are seen more by more people and Mm -hmm. the algorithm gets kind of tripped up and they end up seeing sort of the higher level people. Mm -hmm. And I actually did an interesting podcast on that with a guy named Will last season on Love on the Go. So if anybody wants to check that one out where he talks about how before he got the pictures, he was seeing sort of one level of woman. And then after the new pictures, he was seeing like, you know, the the attorneys and the whatever. And and it doesn't matter what you're looking for, but he just found that for him, that was kind of what he was, was interested in. And then he is engaged now. So that's nice. kind of cool. Good yeah. Because yeah. uh-huh. I feel like, um, yeah, as a whole, like I, I think there's kind of the joke of guys, their dating profiles sometimes look like they're trying to rush a fraternity or something like that. Because <laughs> right. they, don't, they don't always take good pictures. It's always totally. zoomed in. It's like, yeah. it looks like, you know, best case scenario, it's when they were groomsmen at a wedding or right, something. Right. Um, but no, I From think ten years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I think, yeah, like I, I think it sounds like it trickles down to any other tools you might be using alongside yeah. matchmaking as well. Yeah. And then what's nice about my coaching program is every week they're on a Zoom call with mm-hmm. with their coach, and all my people have masters level um, un, or or undergraduate in English and psychology, um, and. Um, we go through their messaging. We teach them how to get a phone number. We run background checks. We'll check out the people on socials. So it's a pretty deep dive that we do before we feel safe sending you know our client out or giving them kind of the stamp of approval for the people that they're they're talking to online. So the people that hire us feel feel very supported. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing you know I've heard it so many times where a woman says, "Yeah, I had my girlfriends over. We drank drinking some red wine, and we got on Bumble. We got me on Bumble." And then the friends leave, and the person's like, "Well." I don't know what to do here, or I'm. I, I this is too overwhelming because when you first get on Bumble or Hinge or whatever, you get such an onslaught of men that are looking at you. So we're talking heterosexual at the moment, obviously. And then it's like you know, who who are we? You know, who does the woman even talk to? I had one woman. I ran a boot camp a few years back. She had so many men coming at her. She called me up, practically crying, saying, "I don't know what to do." And I was like, "Okay, you're a graduate level. You went to Columbia. Let's let's kind of look at guys that are professionals. Let's look at men that you know you could see integrating into your family." She had a daughter, so we wanted to make sure he could be like a good mentor and father figure. Mm-hmm. And we kind of started from there. And she's married now, so that's really cool. Nice. That's yeah. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that is something like I feel like women experience. Like you open the dating apps, and it's it's not even so much that you're getting so many matches because everyone says like it's not about the quantity it's the it's the quality yes. i think everyone just thinks of you know not just the the quality is in like how you know good of a person on a scale of 1 to 10 but sometimes it's also how are how serious are they? Because you hear the stories, like you see the memes and stuff of guys using Tinder where they're just swiping right on everyone yeah. saying, I'll deal with the consequences later. <laughs> right. um, and you just, you don't, you have no idea who's actually interested. And I right. feel like matchmaking is kind of a, a area where you know who's dating intentionally, who has Absolutely. serious intentions versus. Yeah. When a yeah. woman gets a phone call from me and I say, I've got a man that just hired me for matchmaking, they're like, good, please get me off these apps. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so sick of, you know, people that aren't really that serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go out on the date 
dates and it's 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 they're great quality introductions. Oh, 100%. But I've gotten so many people married from online dating that I'll never put, I'll never put that down. It's just you have to be really intentional about it. You need mm-hmm. to be really supportive and you need to be strategic. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes in the beginning when I first started doing it for people, I would try to look at all the men that were interested in them and I got such fatigue from it that I realized that I was swiping left on men that could have been good guys, but I was just tired. Mm-hmm. So now what we do is we just really try to hone in on five, five good men a week and just say, okay, let's focus on them. And I love this analogy. I say, let's pretend that you're in a nightclub mm-hmm. and there is, you know, you've got five people from your from your queue, let's call it Bumble, in the nightclub with you. Now, if one leaves, the the men that are behind the red um, car, the red ropes outside, those are all your beeline men. Mm-hmm. You can allow one more in mm-hmm. and just focus on five and try to go on one date or two dates a week max. Don't worry about the guys outside. If they're meant to be, they're meant to be. So just kind of think in plenty instead of in lack. Got it. Yes. No, I feel like, yeah, because, yeah, I remember when I would be on apps, I was, I was so overwhelmed. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't even just... It, it was just there were so many. It yes. was you never knew who was interested. They're all saying yep. the same things, yep. and yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to know. Yeah, um, and I don't know if you did this when you were there, but it's so important to run background checks. Yeah, I talk about this all the time. So here's just some advice for your listeners. I would keep everything on the app and don't leave the app until you're ready to meet them. Mm-hmm. So you have it all in one place. You're not giving out your number to like just anybody. If, if it seems to be dribbling on and they're not asking you out, I would say something like, so where do we go from here? Or, you know, I really like this conversation. Why don't we meet in person? It doesn't matter who asks who out. The point is get on a first, you know, meeting. And that's not even considered a date. You and I have talked about mm-hmm. this before. That's just a meeting to decide if you want to go on a date. Mm-hmm. So when you decide where you're going to be meeting, then say, hey, let me grab your number just in case I can't find you at the location. And that's what you take to run a background check. And I recommend Truthfinder or Ben Verified. You can throw that phone number in there. You can get a lot of information. And believe me, I'd say about like one in five men that I look up have some kind of history. Yeah. Now, if it's like one DUI from 20 years ago or 10 years ago or something, that's one thing. If it's multiple, that's another. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not in recovery or anything like that, then you need to be careful and watch his actions when you meet. Or maybe you decide you don't want to meet him. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something worse, assault. I've seen it all, like, you know, dealing drugs, all the things. That's so terrifying. Yeah, I, yeah. Have, I have a uh, permanent sp- subscription to been verified. Yeah. I, I pay for it every month and yep. it comes in handy for anything you and everything. You have to be careful. You have to be so careful. Don't let anybody drive you. If don't if you leave your, your table, you leave a drink or food that it's mm-hmm. dead to you. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to touch it when you get back from the bathroom. So mm-hmm. just be super careful. That's the most important thing with online dating. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, because we mentioned first dates. First date, you know, coming from the apps is typically, you know, your, your pre-date, your date zero kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When you set up your dates for your clients, um, what, do they, what do they typically look like? Like what is your go-to first date coming from a professional matchmaker? So for the ma- my matchmaking clients, it mm-hmm. is going to be a nicer date. It's going to be a dinner. It's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, maybe you meet for tapas and drinks at the bar area because it's kind of fun. I've had people go on activity dates before. That's good for people that are like a little bit anxious when they go on dates so that they don't have to like stare at each other the whole time. During COVID, I would send people on dates in the park, walking mm-hmm. dates. That was entertaining. So anything to kind of keep the energy going. Nice. Um, and then how long do you like hold hands through the process? Um, so date one goes well, oh my goodness, I want to see them again. Is mm-hmm. it you know off to the races for them or do you continue to um, stay in touch? So I have the conversation with the woman and if she if it's green light for her and for him, then I say to the woman, listen, I'm going to step out of the middle now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need anything, please reach out. 
Normally they don't, but I'll keep in touch with the man and be like, hey, have you gone on your date number two? Make sure to get to it sooner than later, especially if if she's like on the fence. We're all here from her. This is good advice for any men that are listening. If a woman is kind of on the fence, you're not feeling it 100% from her, get out on a second date and make it really different from the first date. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was dinner or drinks the first time, take take her axe throwing or go to the Whitewater Center or just do something fun and lively, music, something fun to kind of shake it up a little bit and make it sooner than later. Otherwise, the woman and it's just going to be like, yeah, I wasn't really feeling it. I think I'm just going to pass mm-hmm. on the second date. So get to it fast. And then, but I do talk to the guy because I want to see, is he going to make it to date number five or do I need to start looking for another introduction for him? Mm-hmm. I don't like to do more than one introduction at a time for my clients. Mm-hmm. I'm always like thinking who would I introduce him to next? But I, I feel like men get very distracted and I just feel like it's best to like really give one woman a chance at a time. Totally. Um, and that was going to be my next question is do yeah. you match people up you know, concurrently with no. multiple matches? Now, I will in this occasion where I introduce him to a woman and she's like, you know, I think he's he's a nice guy. I'm not really sure there's chemistry there, but I'll see him again. And then I find out from him, oh, well, she can't go out again until like three weeks from now because she's mm-hmm. going away or something. Then I'll probably throw another match match in there just to kind of keep him busy and excited about the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. One of the big questions I wanted to ask you, um, what kind of trends have you seen change over time? Because I feel like I've heard more about matchmakers Mm -hmm. probably since COVID. Like you hear about it a lot more. Um, I think, I don't know if it's just marketing. I don't know if it's just TikTok. And of course, dating has evolved a lot as well. Um, I think, yeah, Tinder. I remember when Tinder came about when I was in college in like 2014. Yeah. I guess I was curious, what like trends have you noticed change in dating over time? Um, Any that you are excited about and think are a good thing? Any that um, you think maybe are are detrimental or not as good of a thing? Yeah. Um, What do you see? Well, since I first started matchmaking 18 years ago, obviously people weren't really texting back then. Mm -hmm. So the whole texting thing is really, uh, I think, a positive because it's easy to get in touch with people. But the negative part about it is people don't talk on the phone anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's like such a really great way to communicate with people. It's very sensual. People get excited about it. You really get to have deep conversation. So I think that people try to use humor by text and it's Mm -hmm. lost. Mm. Or somebody's just not a great texter. And then the person, the other person gets bored by it. Um, Also, it's so easy to keep in touch with people by by text that a guy could be texting texting a woman, you know, 25 different women, good morning, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know, am I the only one that's getting these text messages or whatever? And same with women, you know, they're just kind of collecting people. So it's really, really different than, again, like a Gen Xer who, you know, people needed to like write a letter or make a phone call or really make, be very, very intentional about reaching out. That being said, you know, it is easier to stay in touch with people. So if somebody's traveling or whatnot, it's just easier. So that's good. I think that online dating... While it's wonderful um, and it can be used for good, it can also be a negative. There's a lot of you know men on there that are just players or just using women. There are um, on Facebook. There's different groups <laughs> which shall not be named, <laughs> where women talk about men that they've been dating online. That's good and bad. <laughs> it's bad when he's a good guy, but maybe he's just not interested in people. And people are like, oh, he ghosted me. You know, Mm -hmm. we talked about this on the podcast you did with me. Well, it wasn't really a ghost. He just wasn't interested in you and he didn't reach out again. Mm -hmm. But here are women that are kind of feeling rejected and saying negative things about somebody when he didn't do anything wrong. He just maybe didn't follow up or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Versus 
where it is good, some of these online sites where women are like, okay, this guy's married. He's having affairs with five different women. Nobody knows. There's a baby mama, whatever it is. Or, you know, this is the really destructive thing that he did to me. You know, we moved in together, then he left and all these things. So I will check these sites for my clients. That's part of the background checking that I'm doing and on social media and whatnot. I want to figure out, are they married? So there are um, a lot of kind of bad guys that are online dating that you just sort of need to figure out and they've fi- they have figured out how to fool a lot of women mm-hmm. and and women are very vulnerable you know I mean men are too but I think women are more um, and so um, so you know positive and negatives there have people's preferences change or what they're looking for whether that's a certain I don't know look a certain belief or value system mm-hmm. um, has that changed over time at all it's interesting. I feel like when I first started my business, people did not care about politics. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a thing. And then obviously, um, more recently, I did have to add in, um, I, did, I don't ask people, what are your politics? What I say is, is your future partner's political affiliation important to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that question because it says a lot, um, but it can be so divisive also. So I do mm-hmm. push back on that with people. Um, and um, I'm just not excited about this next election cycle because of it. Oh, good. Now, yeah. we do have a lot of conservative folks down south mm-hmm. and um, and also people that are more religious. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that that's kind of the differences between mm-hmm. maybe, you know, some of the northern cities or, you know, western cities. Um, you know, it's it, women like to get married mm-hmm. uh, younger mm-hmm. in, in the Carolinas than other places if they were born and bred there. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they get to 30 and they look around and all their friends are married with kids and they come to me and they're like, I mean, I need to do something, help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's so great about being able to hire a good matchmaker mm-hmm. who can really kind of direct you and guide you through the process. Oh, totally. When you, when you get maybe people that are, ha- that are in those like panic states where it's mm-hmm. just... Yeah, I think it's important to work through that. Um, it's interesting. I was sitting and having a dinner with a, a bunch of women in their early to mid-30s recently, and they were all talking about freezing their eggs. Mm-hmm. Even one of the women who is recently married, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, why don't you just have a baby if you're that worried about it? She's like, I'm not ready yet. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get it, and I respect it. So... Um, in my opinion, women should just go ahead and freeze their eggs in their mm-hmm. 20s and then not worry about like trying to find uh, a father of their future children. I was talking to a single mom on my podcast this past week about this very thing. She elected to have a child um, and um, raise her, her child you know, solo, mm-hmm. and she has a nice support system to do that. But I just feel like when you're looking for the father of your future children and your future partner, it can get tricky mm-hmm. and it, it can be concerning because I think that it's hard to kind of see straight and it does create anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I hate that for people. So I think that if you can freeze your eggs and just put that one thing on the back burner, then you can have a, a little bit less anxiety. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 100%. And it's yeah. um, something I see a lot where it's, um, and maybe it's just working in tech, but um, employers um, sharing that it's a benefit that's offered. Yes. And it's one of those two where it's like, if, you know, even if something happen, if something happens, just having that kind of insurance for yourself, I think yeah. is really valuable. Yeah. Or I say to people, have your baby. Mm-hmm. If that's really your desire, your deepest, deepest desire, have the baby and then find your husband later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, definitely a good alternate. 
Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess maybe I'm, I'm just curious because I think like that, like early 30s is kind of um, the where a lot of my, my audience is. Yeah. How, how do men typically respond to this? Or maybe how, or if you're privy to those conversations behind closed doors, um, is there, you know, when men get the conversation of, you know, hey, I'm freezing my eggs, like how, how do the men seem to feel about it? Well, it's funny because I have a, a client that I'm working with right now and she said, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm a, and it's the beginning of her program and she said, I'm going to be um, starting this process in about three weeks with the hormones and everything and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I hope she's going to be okay mm-hmm. because it can really mess with your head. It's like not the ideal time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, is there any way you could start that after our three-month program? And she's like, well, I've got this already set up. I'm like, okay. Um, it's so smart, but, um, I think that if she said to somebody on a date, yeah, I'm going through the process of freezing my eggs, it might, uh, take somebody aback Mm -hmm. at first, but then he might think that's pretty cool. You know, Mm -hmm. you're sort of taking action into your own hands and, um, it's not like, you know, we're cutting out the man by any means, but it's Mm -hmm. just a woman saying I'm independent, I'm resourceful Mm -hmm. and I'm smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, you're not coming in with that kind of same rush feeling that you might have been otherwise. 100%. Is there anything that people maybe that you've no, that you've noticed, like you mentioned people being coming in being unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the biggest things you maybe have to talk people down to earth from? So the number one thing that I need to talk women um, down from is looking for a very tall man. Mm-hmm. It's a big problem. Um, I mean, the average, do you know what the average height of an American man is? Five, nine. Yes. Yeah. And they're all looking for over six foot. Not all, it's, but many. Yeah. It's, and it's annoying it's to so me, especially. Do you know what I always say? I mean, I just think about like me. All right. My husband is tall. He's 5'11 and a half. So, but I did once date a guy who was my height and I was like, mm-hmm. this is pretty cool. I had mm-hmm. no problem with it at all. I thought it was great. Of course, like my late father, he was five foot six and he was the most amazing human being in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you got to put things into perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're walking around your place at home, maybe you've got a kid there or two, you know, in the future. And your husband comes home um, from work and you give him a kiss hello. Does it really matter if he's like two or three inches taller? Or does it matter that he loves you, he adores you, and he's a provider and all of the things? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that the women aren't working. You know, they've already, mm-hmm. you know, come down from their office upstairs or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So just setting the stage. But the point is, is that I think that it doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. that women care that much about height. And they're just like, I just want to feel feminine. It's like, is that about you? Like, don't put so much emphasis on the external. Like, look mm-hmm. at the internal instead. So that's one huge bit of advice mm-hmm. that I have um, for women. And then men, they're kind of caught up a little bit with uh, weight. Mm-hmm. And I'm so over that as well. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, I think that when they come to a matchmaker, they say they want a certain size or whatever. But then when they're out and about, they just meet somebody who they vibe with and mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't matter what their weight is. Mm-hmm. So I do think that sometimes when a man hires a matchmaker, they're pickier mm-hmm. than they would be when they're just out and about. So it's something curious. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like both of those things too, It's it's the, the there's something like quantifiable about it. And I think that's kind of a frustrating thing about the the dating apps with, with height. Yeah. Um, I think so many women, like, I don't know what, I have no idea what six feet looks like. Maybe that's because yeah. I'm five two. Yeah. Um, but I firmly think that, you know, there's a lot of women who are saying parroting six feet because they heard six feet, six figures, like yeah. six pack abs or something. And if a guy, you know, who is five ten approached them at a bar, they would not know the difference. Yeah. And I think the same goes for weight. Like it can be distributed very differently. So I feel like so many men are surprised when they learn a woman is a size six or a size eight um, or, you know, oh, well, you're a size two. Like, I think it, 
all that gets lost on, yeah. you know, kind of crossing genders. And yeah. Plus, I think women kind of get caught up in that sometimes. And what they'll do is they'll think, well, if I can attract a man by maybe an older photo of me, mm-hmm. where I am 15 or 20 pounds lighter, um, when they meet me, they'll it'll all go away and they'll be super excited. That's not what happens. Mm-hmm. What happens is a man shows up and he's annoyed that mm-hmm. she, you know, showed you know, a picture that was old. Mm -hmm. So what I do with my clients, it doesn't matter what your size is. Show what you look like. Mm -hmm. So when they go styling with my stylist and we get these really pretty pictures taken full length, curvy women, beautiful women, Mm -hmm. all shapes and sizes, the the men see what they look like and Mm -hmm. the men that authentically are interested in you will say, "Uh, hello, I'm interested. And I've had plenty of plus size women very successfully Mm -hmm. find husbands, get married, you know, have children do all the things. So the, the most important thing is be authentic and show exactly what you look like. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And especially just if there's any time to be rejected, it's it's when you have no idea that you've been rejected. Yeah, versus who cares? you know taking the time like going and having this more public yeah. kind of feeling. All you need is to be real mm-hmm. and show up looking what you look like and there's nothing to be ashamed of and I just feel like there's been such an emphasis in society for uh, just skinny and all that kind of thing. I'm just, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like those are just things you, you hear a lot, like yeah. on, on TikTok too, where it's just, you know, oh, he's got to be six feet. Then some guy chimes back with, oh, well, how much do you weigh? And it's always about the heights and yeah, the weights. And- it is, always. Yeah, ugh. I really do like to follow um, you know, professional matchmakers yeah. on, on TikTok because yeah. it's just such nuanced, good takes yeah. um, where you see and hear from uh, different daters every single day yeah. versus TikTok where it's this like one-two punch, like what got people you know riled up in the first five seconds. A yeah. lot of times too, something will go viral because it's a bad take. Yeah, um, It's just getting attention because people are commenting and frustrated. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I can't stress enough following people like you, following you. You know, true professional matchmakers is I think something that's helped me and that's where I go to first when I want to hear the real advice. Yeah, for sure. And I know something that you were interested in um, when we were talking before is um, what do you need? Are there certifications mm-hmm. or whatnot when you want to become a matchmaker? And there are organizations out there mm-hmm. that offer certifications. Um, I'm one of the three co-founders of the Matchmakers Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matchmaker Maria, who yep. you know, Michelle Jacoby and I founded this. I think it's 12, 14 years ago. I can't remember anymore. And we, once a year, take matchmakers to uh, amazing locales. We've been uh, hosting it in um in Cancun, Mexico the last few nice. years. And basically we we train matchmakers on how to how to we collaborate, we train them on different everything to do with running a business, a matchmaking business, how to actually do the good matching coaching and whatnot. And so I love that because there's no it's it's not like in the legal profession or the medical profession where mm-hmm. you know you have to pass these certain tests or becoming an accountant. Um, it helps to have a, some kind of an advanced degree like I have, but you don't need that to be a matchmaker. What you need though is to know how to run a business yeah. and how to be a good matchmaker, dual pronged. That's why a lot of matchmakers go out of business in the first couple of years. They're, they're good at one or the other, mm-hmm. but they're not good at everything. Mm-hmm. And then you need to be able to wear like a thousand hats from being able to be on podcasts to writing to learn understanding website development and you know how to get your message out there, how to be on TV, mm-hmm. um, how to do the blogging, you know, how to have uh, the SEO, the CRM, uh, all the things. Um, mm-hmm. And then how to how to deal with people, how to handle conflict, how to make matches, 
everything to do with online dating if you're doing that. So, um, you know, how to just there's there's so much to it. Mm-hmm. It is a big job. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it seems like it's re- like recruit, but even harder where it's it's someone's, you know, the biggest and most personal decision that someone has to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of feelings on the line, feelings that people don't know how to articulate. Like, it's yeah. not like, you know, what was your performance at your past job? It's, yeah. you know, why'd you, why did your last relationship end? Yeah. Even if someone is being totally honest, like yep. sometimes your feelings are hard to articulate or your observations and it is the truth to you. Yep. Like, yeah. Totally. As far as some of like the matches that um, that have been kind of maybe like most memorable for you, do you have any that have been um, recent or like success stories that you're you know really proud of or any you know funny stories that yeah. come with it? Yeah, for sure. So I was thinking about that. I have a couple that I introduced, an older couple, hmm. uh, seniors. Um, he was seventy two when he hired me. Oh, nice. And he wanted a woman who was affectionate. Mm-hmm. So we'd go on a date and he'd say, well, she didn't want to hold my hand on the first date. Who wants to hold your hand on the first date? I thought it was mm-hmm. so unrealistic. It took me like maybe five different women. Finally, I introduced him to somebody and she had been caretaking her son for like her, basically her entire adult life. And he was finally on his own. And I remember she actually took a boot camp that I held a couple of years ago and she, um, she had a photo shoot and she just said, I feel alive again. Mm-hmm. And I introduced him to her and they ended up traveling all over together. Um, she moved into his house and they just send me pictures and mm-hmm. um, of all the different locales. And then they got engaged over oh. Thanksgiving. And he just said, I've never been happier. I did a little a little um, reel on it on, on Instagram if you want to look at it. It's adorable. I had another couple. She hired me for online coaching. Um, and the first week she found a guy. He was on, oh, we did it on match.com. And he was on privacy mode. So he saw her, but she didn't see him because I was like, how come I can't? I didn't find this guy. It's like, ah, privacy. Mm-hmm. And um, they went out a few times and then she introduced him to her friends. He was super quiet during the date. And she was like, well, I don't know if this is going to work out. You know, my ex-husband, and she was also a single mom or shared custody, um, was not very social when we went on date, when we would go out with friends. So I don't think it's going to work. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Why don't you talk to him about it? And that's something that people have a really hard time doing. So I always advise my clients, like, try to handle conflict, try to handle different things that arise during the dating process so that you can see, does the, does your um, boyfriend, girlfriend um, handle it with anger? Mm-hmm. Are they rude? Do they disconnect? How do they handle conflict? So it's really good to just practice that. So she had a conversation with him. And he said, you know what? The first time I meet people, I'm a little quiet. I kind of want to read the room. And then the next time you'll see, I'll be fine. And mm-hmm. sure enough, he was. She literally said to me, Lori, if you hadn't said that to me, I would have just cut the cord mm-hmm. and broken up with him because she just didn't want to repeat a pattern. And that's where it can be difficult because people will self-sabotage just based on one or two experiences experiences that they've had in the past mm-hmm. that they're just thinking is relatable. Mm-hmm. But it's not always. Mm-hmm. And she also hired um, a therapist to kind of help her through it. So I thought that was brilliant. And mm-hmm. now they're engaged. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for them. Oh, um, okay. I had another couple who she, again, they. I was just really fortunate. Um, she met him the first week. 
that I got her on Bumble. And she was dating different people, but then she's like, Lori, I don't want to date anybody else. I'm really into him. They had the conversation. He said to her, listen, you can date other people, but I'm not interested. I'm going to take myself off Bumble. She's like, okay, that sounds good. Me too. And they really tried to get, get give it a go. She went to a party with him and he kind of left her on her own. He saw that she was super social, chatting up all of his friends, and he just went and hung out with his friends. And afterwards, she, she discussed it with me. I said, well, why don't you have the conversation with him? And she said to him, I don't want you to leave me alone when you go to these parties. Like, I literally want to hang out with you. It's not like I'm clingy and I can handle myself on my own. I'm a mature, independent woman, resourceful, but I want to hang out with you. He heard her. The next time they went to a party, they hung out together. So I think like, it's just so important to just be able to have those challenging conversations with the people that you're dating. Same thing when you're married. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people I think that get divorced, I think that, re- and, and the people that say to me, you know, we grew apart. It's like, I always think to myself, like, what were they like in the beginning mm-hmm. when they were so in love that actually drew them to marriage? Then how do you, how do you grow apart? And I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm married 29 years and believe me, you have to work on your relationship. This is not an easy thing, especially when you become an empty nester. Mm-hmm. That's when people look at their partner and they're like, all right, is this somebody I want to spend like the second half of my life with or the last third of my life with? And you need to work on it. You need to surprise each other. You need to do a whole bunch of things. So just because your relationship is going through different like dips and um, highs and lows, even at the beginning, even when you're first married, it it doesn't mean anything. It just means you need to hunker down. You need to really like invest in your relationship. Don't get so distracted by kids or by family or friends or work. Like always put your relationship in the center as mm-hmm. a central item of your life. Um, Because when you get distracted and you sort of veer off track is when things happen. Usually I talk to people that are, you know, dating, maybe not yet in a relationship, but what do you recommend for people that are in long-term relationships to keep the spark, to make it the relationship still feel new, keep that like honeymoon phase going? Like, What's yeah. your kind of recommendation? Like when should, how often should you have date night? Like that kind of thing. I think you should at least have one date night a week. And mm-hmm. I think it's fun to surprise each other mm-hmm. with a date where the other person has no idea what you're doing and just keep switching off. And then I think it's important also to do things with other people. Don't just sit around every night and do exactly the same thing. I have friends that play games at night with their partners. Mm-hmm. They get together and they, um, they do different things with other couples. I think that just you need to, constantly be learning when you're in a relationship because think about it in the very beginning when you're kind of peeling back all the layers of the onion it's so fascinating Mm -hmm. to find out about that person there's also like fun like games out there and cards and things like that where you ask your partner things that you know maybe you don't know about Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that people stop saying to their partners like what do you think and Mm -hmm. what are you thinking about right now like Mm -hmm. you're curious you just sort of you need to stay curious about your partner. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this is, I don't mean to pivot this too much, but a, a good, I think a question just popped in my head of um, what are your favorite per- first date questions or what do you think are essential questions that maybe reveal a lot more? Well, I think I, I'll say some of the don'ts first. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you should talk about negativity, anything mm-hmm. negative that has happened in past relationships or horror stories about online dating or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I do think it depends on the conversation. Like I used to say, don't talk about, you know, your ex. I, you don't want it to become a therapy session. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is has been divorced or, you know, maybe they were in a long-term relationship and it didn't work out. If the other person's like, well, tell me about, you know, you know, your your dating history. 
it's perfectly fine to say something like, listen, I'm an open book and I'm happy to talk to you about my my previous relationships, but I'm here with you tonight and I want to find out about you. You know, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more about, you know, your yoga or your hiking or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I would keep the first um, date light and fun. It's all about, is there a little bit of chemistry? Are you laughing together? Are you having fun? You don't have to get so deep into all the, the things on a first date. That being said, I've had clients get together and like lay it all out on the table Mm -hmm. and they come back to me and they're like well we talked about all the things that we weren't supposed to talk about religion politics exes I was like okay and they went out again Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's no fast and furious rule around all the the first dates but I think try to find out a little bit about their family you know, their social life, you know, what they like to do for fun, hobbies. I mean, everybody knows this already. I'm not saying anything that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, maybe some open-ended questions. Make sure to listen. Mm-hmm. I think people are so worried about what they're going to say next that they're not really hearing what the other person is saying. Mm-hmm. So ask a question and then ask another one and ask another one. But then don't go back to your friends and say, well, he didn't ask me anything about me. Because mm-hmm. oh, totally. <laughs> you're asking all the questions. But people do love to talk about themselves. I feel like one thing that's been very polarizing is, and I think maybe it's so polarizing because we don't really know how it would feel for anybody else, but that's the spark. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about the spark? Is it important? Like, do you have to feel a spark? Should you? There has to be a spark, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't always happen for women on the first date. Mm -hmm. I do think it's important for the men to have the spark on the first date, though, because that's mm-hmm. kind of what drives them to get out on a second date. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're a little too passive. And then the woman's leading it. Mm-hmm. Um, women, we're very evolved beings. Mm-hmm. And um, we are capable of falling in love after we get to know somebody and to become attracted. I've had mm-hmm. many, many people say, I'm not sure about it. Even people that I've gotten married, I'm not 100% positive. Uh, I thought he was attractive. I felt very comfortable with him. We laughed. I'm not sure if he's the one. Mm-hmm. They continue to go out. They're married. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the men, m- most nine times, 10 times out of 10, if they come to me and say, eh, I'm not really sure I'm attracted. It's not ever going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um now, even things like, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was attracted to bald men, but yeah, I'll meet them. And then sure enough, like mm-hmm. they, the women like them. Um, so it has nothing to do with anything physical or anything. It's just how is the man treating them? Mm-hmm. How are they communicating in between dates? Are they treating them you know, with respect? Are they having fun? So the magic formula mm-hmm. that I have found is two things. Number one, there has to be attraction mm-hmm. and there has to be a feeling of home. Mm-hmm. where you're so comfortable with that person that you just, it's, it doesn't feel like a typical first date where you're like, okay, this is my person. Like, I, I feel like I've known this person forever. That's the feeling that I hear. When I hear those two things on a first date, I know this is going to work out. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody massively screws up, it turns into something. So look for those two feelings. Attraction doesn't mean I want to jump his bones feeling. Mm-hmm. It just means, okay, I, you know, I like the way he looks. I like I like his vibe and mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm feeling good about his essence. Mm-hmm. That could even be attraction for oh, the first date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and yeah, no, that, and I totally, I, yeah, I totally agree because I, I know that sometimes there's the spark and then there's the slow burns and some people yeah. are just different too. Like some people, they say, I'm a slow burn type. Some yep. say, I, I, if there's no spark yeah. and I, I have no idea what other people's sparks feel like and yeah. I can only, I only know mine yeah. um, and what it's led to. Yeah. Um, I guess like one, one, one listener um, wrote in asking, um, how, how do you define settling? Like, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that say like, don't settle, don't settle, but you know, 
they kind of want to know what is settling and what's the line between giving something a fair chance and then yeah. settling and or maybe wasting someone's time. Yeah, and I read that letter. You you sent that to me by email, and she said that her friends and family were kind of like putting her down, like saying, mm-hmm. "Well, don't settle with him." When mm-hmm. she mentioned that she was curious about a guy that she, that they'd gone to high school with, mm-hmm. that had a graduate degree and mm-hmm. seemed like a good guy and had a lot to offer. I think that she was getting a little bit caught up in mm-hmm. external factors and what other people were saying. I think you sometimes need to block that out. Mm-hmm. And she needs to go within. Mm-hmm. A really good idea for people that are dating is is to learn the art of meditation mm-hmm. and being still mm-hmm. and breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that people are spinning right now in society. You know, we're we're so busy on our phones. I mean, myself included, my God. Mm-hmm. It's like I wake up in the morning and I know I sh- shouldn't look at my phone, but before I meditate, I look at my phone. It's like, Laura, you're doing this wrong. But anyway, the point is, is that you need to sit quietly with yourself. And what I always say about meditation is this, is that everybody says to me things like, oh, I can't meditate. I just, I can't turn, turn off my brain. Well, mm-hmm. of course, that's everyone's experience with everything in life and meditation. But for those five seconds or two seconds where you say, oh, I'm supposed to be meditating. Let me clear my brain. That is the art and the practice of meditation so that later on in the day, when a negative thought comes in, you can say, oh, I don't want to be thinking about that and you let it go. So it's the thought coming in and letting it go where you realize that you are not your brain. Mm -hmm. And if everybody is saying things to you and your brain is taking over, then you're not like Mm heart-centered. And that's the whole idea is we want to be connected to our heart and our spirit, not our our heads and our brains. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people out there make a mistake and they say, okay, this guy is husband material. He checks all the boxes, but they're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. But they say, but he'll be a good father, and my mother likes him, and you know, my friends think he's a great guy, and there's nothing wrong with him. So mm-hmm. why don't I choose him? But that's not the right partner. And then you'll come to me 25 years later with two kids and a divorce and say, yeah, I never felt anything for him, but I just got married because all of my friends were married mm-hmm. and he seemed like a good guy and they were thinking from their heads and not their hearts. Mm-hmm. So I think the most important thing for that that person that wrote to you is to listen to your gut and listen to your heart and and tune out all the naysayers and all the people that are thinking some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, go out with that guy from high school and see what he's like and give it a real shot. And don't just think about your checklist. Totally. I think that's great advice because I think there's there's a lot of noise. I feel like that happens a lot with daters nowadays, like not just you know friends, it's it's everything on your phone. Am, yep. I, do, am I looking for the right thing? Is yep. this the right person? Like, should I be, have these ch- box checking items? Yeah, my, my heart feels good, but mm-hmm. you know the the wannabe SoundCloud rapper who sleeps on his mom's couch. You know, maybe he's a smooth talker, but w- is that a good long term partner or something yeah. like that? Um, so um, yeah, I think it th- th- it can always be like a fine line between like the head and the heart dance yeah. that people do. And I'll give you an example. I have a client right now who is uh, she just started out. She's recently divorced. Um, and she's going out with a guy who is not her usual type, mm-hmm. but he cooks for her. He has fixed things in her house. She's wildly attracted to him. Mm-hmm. And um, he's in constant communication. And she feels so good when she's with him. Mm-hmm. And even though he's not the typical, he doesn't have the typical job that she normally dates, mm-hmm. um, she got like a little bit twisted up in the head. Like, is this the kind of guy that could be my forever person? I said, mm-hmm. well, we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Keep dating him and all will be revealed. So don't look so much at the external and what society is thinking of for you, but look inside. How does this person make me feel? 
And is he giving me the respect that I deserve? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is all about self-love. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a reason there's so many Hallmark movies about the high-powered lawyer who goes home <laughs> and finds the hometown hunk who teaches, who teaches her the meaning of Christmas. Like, there's a reason that movie exists. Exactly. A thousand um, times. Yes. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. Lori, where, where can we find you? What can What's coming up um, with um, Love on the Go? What yeah. episodes can we tune into? Send us some, yeah, send us some final parting words. Yeah. Of where to find you? How can we keep in touch and get more of your fantastic advice? Yeah, well, matchmaker Lori Burzak. That's mm-hmm. what I am on TikTok. Instagram and Facebook, it's Carolina's Matchmaker. Mm-hmm. I do some fun reels. Love on the Go. I've got some really wonderful um, podcasts. Some of my, my, my hot ones were Matchmaker Maria, mm-hmm. who I know we both know and adore and love. She's the best. She's the best. And I have um, Julie Lobby who works with me. We describe the entire uh, program mm-hmm. that we have for online dating management. You can check that one out. Um, Erica Etten's a great one. Ella Scadudo did one about, um, these are all matchmaker friends, um, approaching women on the wild. That mm-hmm. hit hard. One exciting one that I have coming up is with Demona Hoffman. Um, she just wrote a book called F the Fairy Tale. So that's mm-hmm. going to be fun. She's on the Drew Barrymore show as a guest often. And um, if anybody is interested in talking to me, no matter where you live, I can help you with online dating. Mm-hmm. If you're awesome. in the Carolinas, hire me for matchmaking dudes. And um, this has been amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come out here today. This has been a great conversation. I love having great guests on, on this podcast and it really means the world to me. I had a great time being on, on um, Love on the Go as well. Um, so everyone should check out that episode. Yeah. I just want to say how much I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I, yeah. I can't thank you enough for being here and the knowledge that you're going to give my listeners is just, thank you so much. Over and out.